Welcome to the May 2020 edition of Bookplate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. I'm Annie, sound engineer host, and in this book, I'm someone from, I can't, they're not the academy, I can't remember, but the like secret society the, the library yeah like that. I think I just uh I admitted to having read all three series and later you find out that one of the roles in the secret society is politician and I'm probably that one <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brit, and in this book um there's a scene when she and um Archer are you know on the run or whatever the walk <laughs> and <laughs> there's a band of those i forgot what they're called like the impressors or whatever they're called in yeah. the woods and archer like gestures for her to go hide so he can murder them <laughs> and she hides in this like seemingly innocuous tree stump but inside it's like dark and full of spiders so that's me i'm the tree stump full of spiders <laughs> <laughs> It's a, I'm, it's it's a dark time. time. <laughs> it's going well, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's been a good couple weeks. Uh, all right, I'm Amanda, and in this book, I am the phrase entirely invisible carved on the crate. Nice. Now for our amuse-bouche. I never, I don't know how to say this. I have such a terrible French accent. <laughs> amuse-bouche, right. uh, which is our first bite of the book, what we're going to get into. Um it is are you the red or are you the reader join us in a story within a story a book within a book in a world where all things in the book come true how do you change your narrative this is the first book in a water world fantasy trilogy by tracy chi sound about right it's yeah yeah <laughs> lots of like interconnected <laughs> stories happening i feel like it just started getting going at the end yeah it took a while to I was like, how, where is this going? <laughs> yeah. I agree. I mean, that's why I ended up listening to the whole series. So I guess it was probably a planned trilogy when she put it out instead of just like getting an extra book deal. Like, it seems like definitely like this is the beginning of something, but nowhere near the end point. Yeah. Cause she continues her, her world building throughout the rest of the series. It's like, okay. there's no way. I mean, in I don't think that book just ended like, all, there's a whole stuff that comes back around like in the second and the third book so it's all interconnected okay. now for our other cover take where we ask our significant others what they think the book is about just by looking at the cover my significant other jamile said it has a very octavia butler finding yourself vibe garrett said his first thought looking at the cover was that it reminds him of avatar just because mm. like she's blue and the font he's like it's not papyrus but it's like got that avatar like vibe to it and then he said well there's a book on the cover and it's called the reader so i'm assuming that she has the capability of reading and she's one of the only people who can read in a dystopian future so the government wants to silence and or kill her so they can remain in power he is pretty good why is he so good at this <laughs> i don't know it's really really good at visual cues yeah I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, fantasy instead of dystopia, but yeah. Phil said, I don't fucking know. And then, 
looked closer and said, are those flowers or a mask? I can't tell. And then he just said, well, maybe she can read objects by touching them. But I'm just saying that because I just watched Fives with Jeff Goldblum and he could do that. <laughs> what? What is that? Fives? Fives? It's a movie from the 80s with Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum where they're like psychics that are trying to solve a mystery. What? It's It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's not a good movie. No, but like half but of Jeff Goldblum movies aren't good movies. Like that's the whole point. <laughs> and Cindy Lauper. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. There is something to the idea of like other things being books or whatever. Cause like how she was writing, like this is a book on everything. And like, mm-hmm. you know, her ability to like read their surroundings and to, you know, know that, oh, this group of whatever the impressors is what I keep wanting to say but I forgot what they're called they were they I think they I are the impressors the, I can see the like that the shift in the leaves that means that they were camping you know whatever so mm-hmm. I don't know if she does in this book but she can read objects by touching them like she learns that oh. she, yeah she eventually learns like how to use magic to the point where she can touch something and read the history of it okay she did like Hadoken the bullet back into the dude <laughs> but she didn't do that on purpose <laughs> that's a good Is way that... of describing it <laughs> I mean I don't know that's all I could like picture when I was like reading that too. yeah so did you read it or did you listen to the audiobook I read it I tried I mean uh, the narrator's voice couldn't get into it so I just did the, the book Although with books that thick, I can't do it on audiobook because I don't have the patience to get through like 20 hours mm. or something. Yeah, like now that I'm not commuting back and forth to Berkeley every day, I'm like behind on all my podcasts and like not really <laughs> listening to audiobooks because like that was when I, you know, listened to them. I can't really like make myself sit still to listen to an audiobook or exactly, a podcast. Yeah. But if I'm like driving, I have no choice. Like that's all I'm doing. So I was reading a review of the book that talked about like the little like Easter eggs and things in the physical copy. And mm-hmm. so oh. I, I usually check out eBooks on my Kindle. So there wasn't any of that, but the review was talking about like certain smudged words. I, and, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. They had like, I think in the very beginning when she was reading through the book, she talks about her fingertips smudging with blood. The like every 30 pages or so there's like smudged fingerprints on the side of the page. Yeah, so like things that and they did like, yeah, weird shading. Mm-hmm. It looked like you couldn't read words. Like not had they had been crossed out, but they were like faded. Like so, it was hard to read text sometimes. Huh. I feel like that would immerse you in the story. Well, I'm. I guess it could go either way. <laughs> it could immerse you in the story, or be like, what's wrong with my copy? <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I was like, did I get tossed out of this book again? <laughs> I'm not even eating anything. Chocolate. <laughs> I'm like, wait, it's not me. It's supposed to be there. But that would have been interesting instead of like reading the ebook version where. Like, I didn't even get the the parts of the book that were supposed to be the book at first, because it's just, like, a gray box of text. And then, like, the second mm-hmm. or third time, I was like, oh, she's reading from the book. I was, okay. okay. So, yeah, the little things like that. And then, like, there's a poem at the beginning that's, that is an acronym, or, like, an acrostic poem that spells out, look closer or something, which I totally oh, didn't pick up I on either. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so I, I never read the poem prelude. I'm really bad. Amanda! I love it. I'm like, that's adorable. Okay. 
I always read them and then I judge them harshly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I love that we all did a different version. I actually, like when I first, I was listening to this way back in March when I was like super stressed out about shelter in place and like not sleeping well at all. And this, I kept falling asleep to this book. So I think there's some things I definitely missed, but I liked how the narrator's voice kind of like made me drift off because I'm having a really hard time going to sleep. So I was like, oh, I'll just listen to that book again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our appetizer, hardtack at the end of the world. So one of the stories within the stories is this story about a sea captain and his crew. And as they travel all the way to the end of the world, they pass like the last island that they see. And so they can't re-up their supplies. And so they just have this hard tack that they're eating, which I don't know why I'm obsessed with hard tack, but I'm like, it always appears in boat stories. It's based on biscuits. I'm like kind of obsessed with like the different versions of it. But like, I was happy it showed up here. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better than eating each other, like the one pirate yeah. and her crew that like the ended up rescuing. That was horrible. <laughs> like when they put the slips of paper or whatever in the hat and the one with the black dot means you get instantly eaten. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, talk about like Survivor Extreme Edition. <laughs> but I mean, like there was a really good quote though about like doing what you have to do to survive when you wouldn't do it at any other time. Like I really like her writing the stories within the stories were a little bit confusing and kind of jumping around for a while but just like some really really nice like phrases and like the way that she played with words like there was one quote that I really loved that said something it was about how like it said something like stories are passed from mouth to mouth like kisses or like plagues I was like oh (laughs) I love that relevant yes very very yeah so yeah I actually liked her writing better when she was writing the story of the book. Like, I really enjoyed the pirate tales and stuff like that, but I felt, I didn't feel like that much of a connection to Sophia. Like, as I did to, like, Captain Reed, say, or whatever. I mean, there's something to be said about a good swashbuckling tale. (laughs) Yeah, they're kind of fantastical. They're exaggerated characters, like, intentionally, Mm -hmm. right? But then they're real, which I, yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but it's like, I think it's worth finishing the series because she kept, she has some very interesting revelations with. Well, it was getting good at the end. And I was really sad when I I figured that the assassin was her mother. Like that was pretty clear to me from the beginning that that's who that was going to be. But then when I heard the tale of the assassin having to kill her own parents, I'm like, why am I not reading this book with this main (laughs) Mm. character? Like so much more interesting to me. I don't know. You get the story, you get more of her parents in the second book. Okay. So those, in the second book, she figures out that she can actually, like, read about her parents and then have them in her life in a way that she she can't otherwise, right? So then she goes mm-hmm. and, like, reads their whole story, and it's quite interesting. Are you are you okay with spoilers, or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, fine. Okay, so the, spoil, the spoiler is that it was her father's idea to create the Impressors. And her father and mother worked to do that because of what they read in the book as a way to, like, make what, when they worked for the secret society to, like, make the outcome happen quicker. They're like, well, if this is what's happened, let's make it happen. And so they create the impressors and create 
the structure. Wow. It's so intense. Like I'm getting shivers about it. But yeah. So then she so finds out they're like, like not good people. You know, like we knew already, but yeah. then they created the scenario that like harmed the boy she loves, you know, and like mm-hmm. it's very interesting. The topic I have here is yeah, world building, water world, boats and heroes, and the need to be remembered. I thought that was interesting in that was the driving need of Captain Reed that he wants to be remembered. And in a world where you can't, where you don't write things down, mm-hmm. how do you solidify your story for it to be so potent that it does continue to be passed, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when they went to that one bar where everybody lies and pretends to be somebody else and tells their story wrong, I thought that was kind of an interesting a wrinkle in it. Like, even if you do all these great deeds that you think your story will be remembered, you still can't control what that story is. It's like a bad high school reunion. <laughs> <laughs> I invented post-its. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to watch that movie again. So good. I'm definitely Janine Garofalo in that movie. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> yeah, I I thought the world building was really interesting, and like the fact that it's on water, and that it's words like everything is fluid. Literally everything is fluid. Weaves in and out of the story within the story, and all of that. And I liked how they were they were pirates and criminals without being like awful people. Like they were good people, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. They weren't extremely violent or anything like that like they did what they had to do right but it wasn't like they were just like out to murder and rape and blah you know like the pirate trope I was like oh yeah in a world where like boats are survival and are and their connectedness between the different islands you would have more variety of who does that work yeah I also like the the found family as well with like the pirates Mm -hmm. and their crew and like I can't remember her name, the pirate that they found um, when it was just her and her one dude left because everybody else had been killed or they had to eat them or whatever. Like, you could tell that it was not something that they wanted to do or whatever. It was just like, this is the very last resort where we have to survive. And Captain Reed just always, like, was the type of leader who, like, led by example. Like, he wouldn't just, like, throw his soldiers into action while he, like, sat back in the office or whatever. Like, he was just, like, first on the first on the scene and all that too like yeah yeah the main course uh, this is actually this was my favorite scene tiny horned deer hunted on the back of a giant turtle when they're when captain reed and his crew are going to the end of the world the edge of the world the last island they see is actually like a giant turtle and there's all these animals and plants and everything and so they resource the ship while there and then I think a storm comes up while that's happening and they ended up like having to run back to the ship just as the giant turtle like roll like rolls away or whatever it was like I love that that was such a cool dramatic scene and I just love the idea of an island being a turtle I mean that's one of the um wit things that indigenous folks call North America is turtle islands and mm-hmm. I was like oh that's cool what if we I loved it. Turtle. Well, you always hear about like the world on a turtle's back. It's I don't know if that's a religion or if it's just a Terry Pratchett thing, but I definitely <laughs> have the conception of like a belief that the world is just a turtle's back or whatever. And yeah, the little deer, like a whole ecosystem was very creative. And I think that's why I keep saying that I liked her stories within a story better, because they seemed like a lot more fun and whimsical and creative. And the other stuff was just Sophia being like, should I have killed that guy who was trying to kill me? I'm sad about it. Like, 
Yes. Yes, you should have. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, I did love, I wanted to say, I don't know if she did this on purpose, but the subversion of the trope of the damaged fighter that can't speak how in comics that's always women cassandra kane x23 it's this idea of this like super badass assassin but she can't talk she literally can't speak for herself and i thought that was interesting to see that and with like a male figure i really liked their relationship like she didn't want to trust him at first or like she was rather she didn't trust herself like with him she was like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get close to him and then he's gonna die like everybody else and she was just like go away there's a town over that way and he's just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was like white fang he just <laughs> but then like i love their like crossing fingers symbol of like we're in this together and like mm-hmm. how they could like learn to learn to read each other like even though he couldn't speak like they developed like their own like system of communication and that was nice yeah they um she never like trusts herself with him ever like as the book goes on, she there's like bigger and bigger betrayals. There is a fantastic, amazing sex scene between them when they finally do it. And uh, it's in like an underground treasure trove. It's so good. <laughs> that is like an great of- <laughs> What did I put on here that I wanted to talk about? Oh yeah, revenge, best served cold, question mark, and destiny red and reversed. What am I even talking about? I don't know. It's been a while since I read this first one. Well, she Hadoukened the bullet back into the guy. <laughs> or she kills the woman at the end, right? Yeah, yeah she's like going after um, the people who killed her parents and like is basically obsessed with it, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a weird scene. Like they bothered to keep the old woman alive all that time just to have the lady kill her in a hissy fit. Like that felt just like out of place to me I don't I didn't get it I didn't get that part either frankly but another spoiler is that she's not dead oh <laughs> shit <laughs> say, there's something in a future book that sheds more light on this okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was I don't actually know, when... my favorite my favorite character Tannen yeah mm-hmm. I thought I think she's fascinating I think she's like completely torn and like very interesting I liked her I liked her motivations and her style and like she's really smart as the books go on like you get more into why that is and she's just like keeps having to like she's so all this subterfuge that subterfuge there's a lot of revelations with that character I, I think she's one of my favorite like villain not villains that I've read in a long time that's interesting I'm really interested like does it go into the sequel like about why words are magic. I did love that Extremely Invisible. I liked just writing a word and writing something made it so. Is that sort of, could she write her own future in the book or? Yes. Okay. I figure that's probably where it was. I'm interested. It's I'll probably. I think it's worth doing and it's really meta. It's really, really meta. Like, are you the reader or are you the read? Like, it gets to the point where it's like, who is actually reading the book? Like her book. Mm-hmm. who's reading the world you know right. and like they really do figure out like their world is actually just a book like it keeps getting zooming out and it's still a book and it's still a book and it's still a book it's really interesting have you ever read the whatever they call it, the tuesday or thursday next series yes it's like yeah so it's sort of like that yes it's, it's like, similar yes out, like, oh, i do love that series oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like a detective and she invests 
investigates I guess once a book is written like it exists so like you can go into the book and like solve crimes in the book or like I don't know I think it's something with Jane Eyre that she ended up going to Jane Eyre and doing something I can't I can't totally remember I read all of those years ago Mm -hmm. but yeah she and it's really punny it's pun heavy so like all the jokes in the book are like puns you know which I love (laughs) puns come to life it kind of reminds me of um the what is his name the Adams guy who wrote all of the Xanth books like how all the creatures in did you any of you read any of that I mean it's not the best writing Pierce Anthony that's his name he wrote all these Xanth books which is Xanth is basically Florida and like you cross into the world of Xanth and like it's wacky (laughs) and uh, (laughs) all of the like creatures and puns are uh, creatures and like scenarios are actually just puns he's alive like Phantom Tollbooth kind of (laughs) <laughs> similar but like even more so like over the top oh, way over the top ever watch once upon a time on abc yes <laughs> i watch anything that's fantasy and crap and i love it <laughs> so do you remember how henry became the author mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know that's like what this made me think of because like he was writing like the story mm-hmm. and it was happening as he was writing it or whatever yeah i never watched that was it any good no <laughs> It was, but sometimes it was like delightfully bad. Like the wigs were amazing, terrible. <laughs> like there was a lot of villainy over the top, which um, I liked. Yeah, it was. It was kind of cheesy. It was fun mm-hmm. and kind of campy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch like the revival of the series though. Like because it was literally the same plot except his daughter comes back to find him and then like it's but it's the same plot <laughs> kind of like how in the little mermaid 2 the villain is ursula's sister and uh ariel's daughter is the protagonist ariel and eric's daughter except she spent her whole life on land and wants to know what it's like to live in the sea <laughs> like... um. <laughs> of course of course why not do we want to talk any more about like what we liked in the book we have the side dish here if we want to bring that up yeah whichever is there anything else i want to talk about in the book I mean, I have a couple other topics. I have like meeting the legend of your dreams slash all your faves are top, all your faves are toxic, and uh, the liar's bar, which we brought up, which was a really great scene. But I, I don't know. I had like a visceral reaction to it. Oh, tell me about it. I want to hear that. Okay, so that is drinks from the liar's bar. So they go to the bar to have drinks. They're listening to people tell the story stories wrong. And then he like confronts them and he's like, how dare you tell that story or whatever? Like it breaks the rules of the bar. I think I had, I think that was my problem. I was like, the bar has set up these rules intentionally just to make this a safe place for people to like, have a, like do a thing. And like you came in and fucking broke. Yeah. And you came in and broke the rules. Like you shattered the illusion. You shattered it. And, and then, you know, they make the diversion and steal the thing. I don't know. I was just like, there's some reason why I was like, that's not cool, man. <laughs> but I did like that he said that this gives them a story of their own, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm at the bar, and then this actual dude came in here, and, like, I got to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the the whole idea of the bar is really strange, but really interesting. It's like a new concept I haven't seen in a while, so that was pretty impressive. I had something that I wanted to talk about that's, like, mildly related to this book, and I wasn't sure where it fit. Okay. But it's just the, I guess it's a trope in YA titles of like the formulaic 
a blank of blank and blank. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the series is like a sea of ink and gold, and there's a girl of fire and thorns, or whatever, court of yeah, thorns bone and, and roses, and smoke and mist daughter of bone and, and smoke and bone. And like, I saw this um, thing on Twitter that was like, generate your own YA book title. So. <laughs> your YA fantasy series name is a last place you went of your birthstone and current weather condition. Oh. <laughs> the beach of topaz and fog. Ooh, nice. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> it is fine. Where is the last place I went? I, I guess. went down to the lobby to check my mail. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am not going anywhere. So a lobby <laughs> of amethyst and clouds. I, <laughs> I can imagine a lobby full of amethyst. Yeah, clouds. like Kevin's waiting room or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trying to think, what is, the, what is the last place I went? Uh, probably the fort. We did go to Oregon, so it could be the forest of turquoise. And it's like sunny. I guess it's sun and sun. Turquoise and sun yeah. go together. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. That's all. I just wanted to. I love that. That's super cute. I love that. And I love how, like, characters, like the love interest character, whether it's a girl or boy, always smells of two things. And it's like wooden salt, you know, (laughs) or honey and regret. I don't know. Honey and regret. (laughs) It cracks me up. Clearly, it works. I mean, it works on me. I read these books. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, like, I found another. I was. Yeah, the tweet uh, with the like the YA fantasy title formula, it was one of like a whole list of formulas. So it was like to figure out your YA superpower, it's a blank and blank. And <laughs> to figure out your YA crush, it's a blank and blank. So there's like a whole, if we wanted to do the whole list, I'll find it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometime in the future. But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Why are tropes are funny? <laughs> yeah, the other thing I have in here is the. Uh imaginary birthday meal she talks about because she's never had a birthday and I can't remember what else was in the meal or what the dessert was I think it was like cream and jelly buns Mm. yeah meeting the legend of your dreams slash all your faves are toxic (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something that is like becoming more and more prevalent you know like especially as (laughs) get rolling have um uh, are you okay okay? (laughs) I did the cover a cough and I said JK Rowling (laughs) (laughs) she fucking cancelled herself man she could have just been quiet quiet. (laughs) yeah totally I was actually thinking of you know the passing of um, oh my god I'm totally blanking on his name now the civil rights leader who passed yes wait what did you say yeah 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 John Lewis because it was like yesterday or something right Mm -hmm. yeah and I immediately saw on Twitter someone being like, I'm going to drop a bomb about this guy because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he totally sold out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, nobody is perfect. Nobody will ever. And nobody is static. Mm-hmm. People change. Yeah. You know, like, and as you get older, like we talked about last time, like your needs and desires change. Like the riot girl mom just wanted a dude who would treat her well. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like, be comfortable. Like, it's okay as you get fucking old to want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's okay to want to be comfortable in general. Like, most of us are really uncomfortable, especially right now with all everything that's happening, you know? And 
it's okay to want that for yourself. It's not always about compromising morals in my mind. Sometimes it's just like, why are you, so you liked what that person did or like you liked that one thing that you did. How in the world do you expect them to then do that for you the rest of their lives? Like you're going to change too. Mm -hmm. Like take that lesson that you learned, the, the thing that you learned and, and, and grow with that on your own. You cannot put someone, your own growth on someone else. That's a weird onus. I just... Mm -hmm. Like, and like what something was and meant to you at one age is not going to be the same later. You know, uh, Jamal and I actually were like rewatching some things and he started to watch weird science and I got really freaked out about it. Mm -hmm. Like she's an adult woman having sex with these teenage boys and like, it's funny. Yeah. And I was just like, this is not funny. And then there's the scene where she pulls the gun on the one guy's parents. And I was like, I don't think I can watch this. <laughs> And Jamal got mad at my critique and he was like, let's watch something else. You pick. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> but I was like, I just was having like such gut reactions to it, you know? And I was just like, that's informed by who I am now, you know? I can't appreciate that the way I would have as a kid when all I wanted to see was titty, <laughs> right? Like I find myself doing that with community. I'm definitely like a downer now when Sean wants to watch community because now I know more about the stuff that went beyond the scenes and the harassment that was going on and like I'm like oh I see how prevalent this is I see how this worldview is constructed and put here and we're laughing at it and not thinking about it or letting ourselves get kind of seduced into believing this is okay but yeah now I'm like this joke isn't funny <laughs> so I think I'm real fun to watch that show with yeah I 90s sitcoms are definitely like my comfort shows right now mm -hmm. and there are some things that are just like, ooh, it's hard to watch that with, like, 21st century eyes. <laughs> like, yeah, just stuff that was, you know, supposed to be funny, but, like, all of the, like, fatphobic jokes in Fresh Prince about Uncle Phil, like, homophobic and transphobic jokes. Yeah, just a bunch of stuff that is, like, uh, it's really cringe to watch that now. So it's like, I don't know. You have to... It doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Like, you can enjoy something and still like critique it and I think like mm -hmm. that's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have is like it has to be black or white like it has to be like mm -hmm. loving it and accepting every part of it or like hating it because you know it's problematic it's like I don't know there's some nuance there right like you wouldn't bother to even criticize something if you didn't like love it you know right. at some yeah. point like actually looking deeper and saying well why do I like it and this deviates from where I am now how did it deviate where was the point it doesn't allow us like yeah if it's black and white it doesn't allow for our nuance and subtleties and it's just like that's not the real world you know like our world is complicated and it's interwoven and like it's not you can't we're literally not separated mm -hmm. I mean that's the thing like we're seeing that so much you know what one country is choosing to do and their actions directly affects what another country is choosing to do in their actions. Like what we do, what we're doing as individuals reflect, you know, impacts now our cities and counties and whether or not businesses are open, like all it's direct, direct impact. And like this whole isolation, I think it's a very American thing, this whole isolation, like, Oh, it doesn't, my freedom, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a false narrative i read something that was like something that said like the biggest mistake was telling americans that the reason they need to wear masks is to protect each other yeah <laughs> because like we're so like individualistic compared to like so many countries that like people are just like oh well i don't give a fuck about anybody else so like i'm gonna just do me <laughs> but like that's not how contagious diseases work <laughs> right like, no <laughs> they don't care about your individualism this book kind of gets at that a little bit like 
the narrative and how it's woven and like the story versus the reality and how they're not the same, but the stories that we tell ourselves also reflect and impact our reality, right? Like the stories that we tell ourselves and the images and ideas that we create around ourselves are that powerful, mm-hmm. right? Like they directly affect us. So, I mean, I think that's why I've always loved books and stories. Like the me- the books that I read like directly affect me and have impacted who I've become as a person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and as a teacher, like books are just like the most powerful way to start important conversations and stuff with kids and to introduce them to people who are like different than them or you know just a world outside of the one that they know yeah it, it, you can't underestimate the importance of them being this is a book but like this is like an empathy machine you know like, yeah yeah empathy machine I love that <laughs> well that's why representation is so important yeah. I mean I also really like this book because of that it's a completely like non-white centered version of a story like the world and everything is like she's created it fully out of like her ideas and history and cultural background which I really I was like that's cool she has (laughs) another book coming out in September it's about I can't remember what it's called let me look it up it's about a group of Japanese teenagers in San Francisco like either I think like right after internment and yeah, it sounds really interesting. What is it did, called? Did you guys see that in the Babysitters Club that they did the episode with that? Yes, yeah, it was so good. It was so. Did you watch the Babysitters? They did a Japanese internment episode of the Babysitters Club. Yeah, because one of the girls' like... grandmas, yeah, was yeah. Oh wow! It was surprisingly good. The show. I freaking love that show. It was I was really good. I was not yeah. expecting to like it. Me it was either. So good. Like, I was like, this is like wholesome as fuck, and like <laughs> just. Yeah, it was really good. Really good. I hated those books. I I always tried to read them and I was like, ugh, all these people are annoying. I think there's just like not, I don't know. I didn't like, I was like, there's not enough magic. The magic of friendship. <laughs> okay, so this book uh, that she has coming out in September is called We Are Not Free. And it is about Nisei, which is second generation Japanese American citizens. These 14 teenagers who grew up in Japantown and like lives are interconnected. And it's like, yeah, about the internment camps and how they rally together as racism and injustice threaten to pull them apart. And I'm like, ooh, I do love a good historical fiction. So yeah. I'm really excited to read that because I do like her writing style a lot. Yeah, so. she clearly has the talent. Yeah. I was surprised I'd never heard of her. I mean, I'm actually like, I actually think whoever's picking books this year is doing a real good job. <laughs> I, the books that, are, that I've read this year are like by far, I think, the best selection that we've mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Just that I've liked, in my opinion, you know. The one about the girl who goes to the the girl who's racist on the internet <laughs> and goes to like racist oh, rehab yeah was that from this year yeah or last year that was this year i think okay was that january yeah that might have been the first one that one was not good but <laughs> it was great to rip apart i'm, so, I'm just... <laughs> so with one exception i am i love talking shit you all know <laughs> 
help you define your opposition to those books. So I yes, think that exactly. could be like useful for teenagers. It's funny. I mean, also, I think we're ha we have more fantasy and historical fiction and sci-fi than I'm excited like, in the, the mix so far. That looks like it's going to be good. Oh my god! I just finished the audiobook. Okay. The poet. The X. author reads. The author reads oh. it. It's really short, actually. It wasn't that long. It was only like three hours or something. The author reads it, and so it's like very much authentic own voice and it's just like uh i cried like a baby <laughs> i cried like a baby throughout the lovely war as well but <laughs> the codex like really just is like super powerful so powerful okay. i've read a couple of her other books and yeah i like them so i'm excited for that one although sorry this is again only tangentially related <laughs> but in terms of like <laughs> authors reading their own books like sometimes it's good and sometimes it's really really bad like i listened to the audiobook of uh, a wrinkle in time oh yeah and oh. it's not read by the author but there's a foreword read by the author and i'm like thank god this book is not read by the author like it was just Did a cringe. An annoying voice like just like yeah like <laughs> not it was weird it was like not a voice that i want to listen to a whole book by <laughs> She's kind of a weird person. Like, her books are weird. <laughs> yeah. Did you read the whole series of Wrinkle in Time? Just the first one. I read... Yeah, I saw the movie. One. I read the one about her brothers who went back to the time of Noah building the ark. And, like, they <laughs> fucked around with animals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Many waters. Yeah. And that's when I was like, um, this is a weird book. <laughs> I think it was, like, 11. And I was like, that book is very I'm not ready for this book. <laughs> I was like, ooh, dark angels that turn into animals? I'm into it. <laughs> I've also realized that I am, like, such a furry. Like, I've always loved anthropomorphic animals, but I've, like, at, the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, man, I was, like, now I look back at stuff, I was like, oh, no wonder I really loved that. And no wonder I'm obsessed with that now. <laughs> the uh, fox from the Robin Hood movie. Oh, yeah. Our first crushes were that fox. <laughs> yeah it's my like secret I mean it's not so secret but I'm just like oh this is maybe my most embarrassing fandom I don't know but I, like, I'm trying to own it <laughs> do we want to talk about Borderlands sure oh yeah that was messed up that was super messed up it was really offensive. talk about like uncomfortable gross shit I don't think I've ever <laughs> been there like I've heard of it like just as a sort of well-known you know independent bookstore or whatever here but I don't think I'd ever been there. I was, like, a big member of the community. Like, before I moved away, like, when I lived here before, I would walk, the, like, three miles to Borderlands, like, three times a week and hang out there in the cafe all day. I knew people. They knew me. I would talk to Alan, like, not irregularly, you know? So. So should we, like, summarize the situation for people listening? Oh, so we have a small independently owned bookstore in San Francisco and it got big in the news because when they decided to raise the minimum wage to $15, the owner, Alan, said that they would have to shut down. They wouldn't be able to pay those wages. And he started a subscription model where people donate a certain amount of money at the beginning of the year. And if they get that money, which I think is like $30,000, they'll keep the store open. And they do that like every year. And he actually got investors to invest in buying a whole building in the hate that he's planning on moving the store to. So he's got like a lot of community support over the years. And it's recently come out, like his daughter 
his 19 year old daughter has accused him of being sexually inappropriate with her and a ex-girlfriend has accused him of threatening her with a knife i think that she's not even the only one he's come forward about being threatened with a knife by him i feel like there was at least mm. another one other person so yeah your faves are problematic um, your faves no, your faves are problematic i the last time i went there I was actually there for a Tamora Pierce event. I was inebriated because I'd like gone to a bar to like between work and the event to like spend the time or whatever. And so then I did talk to him while I was, you know, like tipsy and like being like, haha, this is fun. And I, I, I did get a really weird vibe from him, but I thought he was just like judging me for being inebriated. But in the news, the story that came out, both of his, both his like inappropriate contact with his daughter and the knife were like when he was also extremely inebriated, mm-hmm. like blacked out according to him, you know. So I thought I just I don't know I thought that was interesting. Uh yeah, I don't know. I think incest and inappropriate in like sexual trauma between families is like probably the thing that makes me most uncomfortable. Is like, yeah. I don't know. It's so it's such a violation. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's kind of one of the worst things I've heard. <laughs> like that somebody could do this to their child is just insane to me. Like, and yeah, we say that he was drunk, but where did he go to get drunk? He went to a notorious bondage festival with his 19-year-old daughter. They had just come from, like, the Folsom Street Fair, I think. His, in the news story, it was, she was talking about getting into bondage, and he was saying, oh, I would take you to a club. And I'm like, oh, what? (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, it makes my stomach hurt. It's and strange. he was really like, pushing her to drink, and yeah, yeah, she was talking to him about wanting to get into BDSM culture with her boyfriend, and he said, "If you weren't my daughter, I would just take you myself and make sure that you were okay." Which is it's just gross because, like, the I don't know, just like a gross, <laughs> like, protective, but not. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. Well, at least that's like it's myth, grooming. Like, paternal protection that really that's really is, like ownership yes ownership and interest so like, like trump if she weren't my daughter i'd be dating her like that's yeah oh, god yes it's just so gross well and who yeah and I mean, so gross and actually and that store has been like a real rallying community point for not only like people into sci-fi and fantasy but for the queer community like a lot mm-hmm. of the workers were like out and proud queer people and like they carried the kind of stock and books and had the kind of events that made people feel safe when it wasn't safe. And so that that's why it just feels like a real violation to find this out. Yep. And it's it's a rare rarity to have like a sci-fi fantasy based bookstore, right? Like they are unicorns in the wild. Mm-hmm. One of the quotes says that he uses the bookstore paired with his standing in the community to find and prey on people who are vulnerable. See, I absolutely believe that. Cause like I've said, I've talked to him before and I, you know, sometimes guys in sci-fi, they're just like, you expect less of them. Like, not like, the, <laughs> not, not like they, they sort true. of like are squirrely when they're talking to you and you're just like, yeah, nerd. <laughs> like, but yeah, like I, never was inappropriate with me and I know that like he chooses people to not do that to as cover so he can do it to other people mm. that's classic predator behavior yeah and it just made me feel complicit you know like and it's crazy like R. Kelly who would purposely choose girls who like didn't have a family or were mm-hmm. like disconnected from the family or whose parents 
thought that they were like helping their daughter's career or whatever and he had this wife who was like his own age as like a cover for all of the fucked up shit that he did with like these girls like yeah super predator behavior to like pick and choose Mm -hmm. and that's who we have in office right now i mean trump absolutely is a pedophile Mm -hmm. he has five pedophile friends that he was chummy with all throughout his life we like there is no doubt in my mind that if he has not abused his daughter he has abused other girls that look like his daughter mm-hmm. part of the picking and choosing is so that there's somebody who could say well he never did that to me so yeah did you guys hear about the stuff coming matter about warren ellis he's no. a he's work. like a storied comic book writer he's very very famous uh, and apparently he has been responsible for like tanking the careers of like several young women and luring them in and he's worked with really famous female comic writers like kelly sue DeConnick and stuff and of course was never inappropriate with them was just the perfect like supportive ally and friend just as a cover so it right. makes him seem safe to bring more vulnerable people into his orbit I have a really hard time understanding living dual lives. I don't, I I mean, I think this is partly because I'm white and I don't have to code switch, but I refuse mm-hmm. to. I'm like, I, I don't have a lot of boundaries between my topics and different groups. Like I'll bring up whatever with whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking care, this is who I am. And when I read about these people who have like constructed this entire alter ego and like with R. Kelly literally built a, prison in all these different like investment and resources and all and like are literally leaving these leading these dual lives I'm like that's some super villain Mm -hmm. yeah I mean code switching is like a survival mechanism though and this is just like way beyond that for me like code switching is just like navigating different worlds like the way that I talk at work is different than the way that I like talk to but, friends but and... it's not like manipulative and like no what no, he's doing it's... is like strict manipulation mm. like right this is just like for me to navigate like my different worlds like who's the main character in the hate you give like I think is a really good example of star that star yeah because like has her like community and then you know she goes to this like preppy white school where she like not have to it's not being a different person it's just we're I don't know how to explain it like just presenting yourself in a different way that is like palatable to the people around you essentially Mm. but it's not meant to manipulate it's meant to like protect yourself and that's like the difference Mm -hmm. that helps me that helps me with the frame because like i am a manipulative person (laughs) like i do i like i manipulate people intentionally to like get what i want or to like have a conversation or whatever or just be like do decision making or you know and I use my words and my knowledge to do that but it's not it's not malevolent I mean right it's not like to cause harm and manipulating so if you're you know presenting your case and like saying I what I know about you I think these points would be important to you therefore I will emphasize these points I don't really feel like that's manipulation it's more of when you skew someone's entire worldview kind of like so they're wrapped up in your lie you have the world and you're using that lie to achieve like a specific object okay I guess yeah then persuade maybe persuasive I don't know but sometimes I do feel like I set things up like whenever I like plot something I'm always just like okay 
this is the outcome I want. I'm going to make it happen. And I do feel like, haha, I'm creating a, you know, I'm plotting this thing, but it's never like a bad thing. It's usually like, so we go on vacation where I want to go. On vacation. <laughs> 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 uh, why is it so prevalent that we have these men who use their power to specifically do that? I don't know. I think that's just the entire state of the world is men just trying to use their powers to achieve aims. And maybe there's more avenues to go about that now. It doesn't just have to be strength or money. It can be something as powerful as like Warren Ellis's own creative genius that makes people want to get to know him. Like, and he can just take that. I guess I don't know why people would want to see that. It seems sort of crazy to me. Toxic masculinity and lack of consequences yeah that lack of consequences is is huge like we're so intent on criminalizing like someone smoking weed when like we can't bring a predator we can't have a predator have consequences i don't know i don't i i'm completely like the also the older i get and the more i find out about these things the more i become like radical feminist like let's not give men any positions of power period i'm like they've they've had enough they <laughs> all those white dudes they've had enough they don't need to be powerful right. <laughs> i'm like kind of done with that yeah <laughs> i i hear that yeah. and i used to say the same thing but like there's this person that i follow on twitter who is transitioning and he also has ocd and a lot of his like recurring obsessive thoughts are that like he is bad and he is wrong and he's manipulating people and hurting people like when he doesn't mean to and so like he was writing on twitter like you know when i see things like men are trash blah 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 and i think like am i trash for you know transitioning to like you know outwardly present myself as a man and like all of those things so like i think it's so i'm trying to like now make the distinction and like specify like cis men are trash <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated with queer identity and, and trans and gender non-conforming folks. But I'm also like, those are the people I want in power as well. Like we're we're doing this. We're, we don't have an executive right now at work. And so they're doing an executive search and we actually are hiring a consultant team to do it. And um, so they are doing like staff feedback. Like, who do you think should be in this position? What is the culture at work? You know, what? why would someone want to work here? Who do you think should be in this position? And like, I, I did give some like qualities. And then at the end I was like, it needs to be not a white person and it needs to be a woman or gender non-conforming person. Mm -hmm. I like, if we want racial equity, you have to start at the top and you cannot keep putting white people in power, especially white men in power and expect that things are gonna mm -hmm. change. And all of the other arts agencies in the city replaced their white women leaders with white men, mm -hmm. gay white men, but still white men in charge. And I'm like, we need something else or we're just going to be reinforcing those structures again. Yeah, it does seem kind of, from a lot of the things I've been seeing, like whenever diversity is a goal, it's usually in the lower ranks of things and it does not move to the top. Like, okay, well, we'll hire, you know, 50% black indigenous people of color for our writing staff and 50% white people. But then like, once you get to showrunner, like 90% white, like 
Exactly. We'll have a black bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> have you, have you <laughs> seen, did you ever watch uh, Rocket Jump? It was like a YouTube channel. It's a really uh-uh. fun channel. And they have the, the Asian bachelor, where it's just like a white girl and the bachelor, but every bachelor was Asian. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Like, I don't know. It's super, super funny. Um, just like, she's just like, oh, oh, okay. I guess, yeah, it's time for like an Asian bachelor. And then the next guy comes in. Oh, I'm sensing a theme here. And she gets all weird. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all tricking her. I don't know. It's fun. And I'm worried about bookstores too, because like, a lot of them are already on mar- like thin margins of of money and making money. We don't know how many are going to close, right? And I want to support them. And I specifically want to support sci-fi and fantasy bookstores. I have so, like, for you. Mysterious Galaxy oh, yeah? in San Diego. It's the best bookstore I've ever been to. Sci-fi fantasy bookstore that also has romance novels and it's owned by women. Nice. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's tight. And they do all sorts of events and stuff. And they are big about community involvement. Yeah, that was the that was like a turning point when um, our mall got a third place books when I was a kid. That just opened up this world to me, right? And like, I finally had a place to go at the mall that wasn't like shopping at Hot Topic and watching other teenagers at the food court. You know, I was <laughs> like, I don't know what that's gonna look like in the future. I saw like a, something on Twitter that was like the future of publishing. I mean, especially now when I'm like I'm like consuming all these audiobooks and eBooks and because I can't really go to the library. And and I just wonder, I'm like, this is going to be different. Like the next generation of kids, I don't even know if they're going to like read books, you know? Yeah. And that makes me sad. I hope they will. I mean, Brits ensuring that they will, right? <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure kids still read books. <laughs> in some way or another. We're counting on but... you. <laughs> Good job. Oh, man. It. It's not that it's all of our time, <laughs> yeah. right? But, like, I wonder, like, how much the medium will change. Like, I can still imagine people consuming media, but I wonder how much, like, the medium itself will change. Like, I mean, I used to be anti-ebooks. I'm like, no, I only read books. Uh, but now I love them, especially the audiobooks. I know there's, like, you know, there's something about the feel of, like, a book and the smell of the pages and whatever. But, I mean, the medium is less important than the story and then like evolving media also like makes it a lot more accessible right like one of the things I love about my Kindle is like it's lightweight and I can like just throw it in my purse I can hold it in one hand I can read at night without keeping Garrett awake like I can change the font size like you know there's a lot of like it would be so accessibility features if I could use those because I went on like a three-week trip across Southeast Asia and I literally brought 20 books with me and it kept making my suitcase like over the weight limit so every time I would finish one I would just leave it at the hotel <laughs> like, <laughs> try to whittle them down like but it, yeah yeah but see I like to read in the bathtub and at the beach that's my favorite reading spot so I don't want to you know waterproof case <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've, I've done it or put it in a ziploc <laughs> if you don't want to buy an expensive hey. waterproof case in a pinch. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should get like an actual dedicated e-reader because I have an iPad that is ten years old now. <laughs> That's what I use for my e-reader. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't like reading on my iPad because like it's the backlight too bright will eventually like hurt my eyes. Yeah, and it's like kind of big and heavy because I also have a really old iPad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my Kindle like it's front lit, not backlit. I don't know the details of that technology, <laughs> but it doesn't fuck up your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all of our topics for today. Yes. 
meandering <laughs> coronavirus. I mean, the I book mean, kind is of... called The Reader. We were talking about reading. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we're I'm not. I'm, I always find things. I think things are interconnected. Are. Yeah. And we should be able to talk about them. Do you want to give our book appetite? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us and book appetite. Hey. Hey.